0: Welcome to Agree to Disagree on VIC Radio at Ithaca College. On this show, we will debate all things sports, and sometimes we'll agree, and other times we won't. My name is Noah Schwartz, and I'm here alongside Jack Asello, Dean Gutik, and Aiden Chard. Now let's get this show on the road. Hello, and welcome into Agree to Disagree here on this Saturday on VIC Radio. Noah Schwartz, Jack Ocello, Aiden Chard, and Dean Gutick. Guys, how are we?
1: Doing good.
2: Ready to get to it. Doing very good.
0: All right, so we got a lot to discuss today. It's going to be an NBA-heavy show, but we've got a bunch of different sports we'll we'll talk about. We're going to start with some some basketball, and then we'll get into the baseball lockout. I know we don't want to talk about that again, but here we are.
3: I and know and we said we'll t- that last week, too.
0: Same thing, yep. And then we'll talk a little football, uh, and we'll finish up with some Ithaca basketball, because yeah. it's a huge day here on the South Hill for some hoops. So, let's begin. Last night in the NBA was an action-packed night, and we're going to start with what was the biggest game on the schedule, and that was the Sixers and the Timberwolves. What? You mean it wasn't Pacers-Clippers?
3: Uh, Pacers-Thunder? Thunder? No, it was not.
0: That game went to overtime, though. I know. Or uh, Magic
2: Rockets? Or even we Lakers-Clippers? Come on, man.
0: Sorry, Dean. (laughs) So we are going to start with that uh, Timberwolves and Sixers game because it was James Harden's Philly debut, and he was sensational. 27 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds for the Beard in a blowout Philly win. Joel Embiid was also terrific, as was Tyrese Maxey. Both those guys had near 30, uh, Embiid at, I think, 34. So a great performance for the Sixers, and it looks like this pairing could work. But let's talk about what you guys saw once we watched that game because I think a lot of people had their eyes on it. So Jack, I'll start with you. I know we were watching it together. What were your initial thoughts on the Philly and pairing?
1: Yeah, I thought this pairing, I thought this pairing was going to be amazing and not just for Joel and Bede, but for the entire team as well. Uh, obviously last night Joel Embiid, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 of 18, uh 3 of 5 from 3. He was absolutely sensational. In the press conference he even said, "I've never had as many open looks" In my life, he absolutely loved it. James Harden, he's he's had incredible debuts in each yeah. of his last three spots. I think <laughs> he in, really has in, in Houston and Brooklyn. I think his debuts were both thirty points and twelve rebounds. Uh, last night, twenty-seven points, eight rebounds, and twelve assists. Absolutely incredible. Tyrese Maxey was great, but the biggest thing that I noticed the shots that this team's going to get because they have so many dominant scoring threats that can drive to the hoop and score. They they had so many open looks. They hit nineteen threes last night. Absolutely incredible with all the looks I got, and this is also without Harris, Tobias Harris, who's also going to be a key guy and will probably average close to 18 to 20 points a night. He only had six points. He didn't even play well last night, and they still won by over 30. Yeah. So this is just this is incredible. Philly, they have great depth now. Danny, they have Danny Green. Paul Millsap, he actually played a nice small ball five for them, which we we discussed could be a big big factor. Jordan Yang hitting hitting a couple shots. This team is absolutely loaded, and Philadelphia is going for the title. Yep, Aiden Woodbury, what what'd you think? I,
3: I I did think it was really good, and I think it's really impressive by by that you know big two, and then Maxi had an incredible game. I wouldn't call it a big three with him, but like you know. Really good game and impressive by the three of them. What I am worried about is just looking at the stats of the rest of the players on the roster and it's kind of underwhelming. Most of the rest of the team did just like fine at best. And I know those three really carried the team in this game, but you're not going to be playing, no offense, Murab, you're not going to be playing the Timberwolves every game. You're not going to be playing a team that doesn't have that depth to make up for it every single game. And so it was amazing. By Harden, he looked incredible. Embiid, he looked incredible. Maxi played one of his best games. But when you have, you know, nobody else in your team scoring more than eight, uh, 11 points, sorry. Nobody else in your team scored more than 11 points. One other person was in double digits. Um, it, it was kind of underwhelming from the bench and from, from all the depth guys, these guys that you need to kind of come on, take some minutes, and be able to rest – your guys like Embiid and, 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 uh, oh my God, Harden. I completely blanked out his name for a second. But overall, good, great, great showing, and that's going to be a scary pair. Yeah, it's terrifying. Indeed. I don't like that.
0: I want to hear quickly <laughs> what, what
3: you got on this because I'll, I'll talk next. Go ahead.
2: I mean, I agree with you. I, I thought both looked amazing last night. We discussed this in the car yesterday. Uh, I mean, this, I think for the most part, this duo is going to work. You got Embiid, who is a dominant center down low. Then you got Harden, who's one of the best one on one scorers in the game. Um, they both look really great. Mac- Maxi also played well, fiable, 11 points, three steals, uh, defensive presence. This is a Sixers team that's deep. This is a Philadelphia 76ers team could, that could definitely make a run of the title, probably maybe come out of the East. I'm not saying they will. But um, yeah, I thought every, just everything from watching that game is good. Yeah. My one concern is, like, um, when—I think it was you that mentioned this, Noah, to me. I'm going to try to word this the best that I could. It was about, like, Harden adjust—like, my one concern heading in for this duo was, like, Harden adjust— Yeah, I have concerns about that a little bit. um, I think it was, like, if Embiid was, like, post the download or whatever, if Harden would just stand there. That's my other concern as well. Yeah,
0: we talked about this a little bit yesterday off the air, but— I think it's definitely going to be an adjustment period for James particularly. And, and last night looked seamless. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a good start. Yep. But as we know, Harden has typically been for the last decade a guy who just kind of stands around when he doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. And the ball, everything runs through him and pretty much all the shots get created not, because he creates them.
3: He's not a team player and he's great. Well, he's a great passer, Yes, but
0: everything runs through him because yes. he's the one that's passing it. And now he's not. Now, he, now he's going to be in a situation where Embiid is going to have the ball in the post, in the mid-post area all the time, mm-hmm. working one-on-one, because he's been the most unstoppable player in basketball this year, just living off those. Yeah. So the question is, what do they do when Harden doesn't have the ball? Is he going to be screening for other people? Is he going to uh, be cutting and trying to get open layups for himself off Embiid's pass? Is he going to be spotting up for threes? Or is he going to do the typical Harden where he kind of just stands away 30 feet from the basket, kind of doing nothing?
3: I, that will I, be a question. I want to see how that goes. I agree. I think there's something to be said for... I think Harden knows what everybody's saying about him right now. I mean, we saw how he, how he exited the Rockets, a team that really gave him his career. We saw what happened when he was on the team that he wanted to be on and then requested a trade and wanted to get off of them without even really seeing what that big three could do. I think he knows that people... See him as this guy that's not a team player, this guy that just kind of wants to do his own thing and be his own way. And if he knows what's best for him and what's best for his legacy, I think he's going to start playing a little bit more uh, selflessly, a little bit more, you know, Embiid, you take the lead, and I'm here to make your shots. I'm here to stand behind the three-point line and make it when you're ready to pass it to me, but I'll move around and do what you need me to do.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny (laughs) because we've seen this before. A fully engaged and focused James Harden, there's very few players in history that are that good. Yeah. But when James Harden is not focused and not energized, there are very few guys that mope around quite like he does. So yeah. it really True. depends on True. which version you get.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I would tend to agree with that. But another thing that I'm curious to see is, will James Harden be willing to actually well to try new things? We Obviously, we know what he does, we know what he's great at, but I think one thing that... Has been a huge help to this team that's really gave Philly success early when obviously they didn't have another star. It's the ability that Joel Embiid has developed as a playmaker. Nearly five assists a game this year. Is Harden going to be willing to cut and move off the ball? I said last night when we were watching the Lakers Clippers game where we saw for example Reggie Jackson. He'd dump it to Zubats or Hartenstein and then he'd do a back cut behind them and they do a give and go. Will Harden be willing to do certain things like that? Those are, those, some of those plays could be the difference from winning a championship or not. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? That is the million-dollar question for James Harden. Yeah, there's no question, and and we're going to find out.
0: Uh, So I think we all kind of agree there. Let's move on to another NBA topic. This one's a little bit more controversial, hasn't been so seamless in the three years with Zion Williamson in his tenure in New Orleans. Right now, Zion is rehabbing a foot injury that has not healed right after surgery uh, to that foot, and he is now, like I said, working out in Portland, away from the team completely, uh, and as J.J. Redick put it, disengaged as a teammate. Uh, so I'll take you back about a week ago before we get into this. At All-Star Weekend, they asked C.J. McCollum, the newest Pelican, who they just traded for, whether he'd spoken to Zion about whether he'd be coming back this year and how his status was. And C.J. said, I've never spoken to Zion about this since I've been traded. I don't know how he's doing. I have no idea. Your question, uh, your 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 thought is as good as mine. And uh, everybody kind of got shocked by that. And then a few days later on first take, J.J. Redick who was Zion's former teammate in his rookie year, called him out saying he's not a very good teammate, doesn't really care. And it's made all these sorts of questions come up about, does he want to be in New Orleans long-term? What do you do with him as he's potentially going to be a max player coming up at some point in restricted free agency? What do you do? And it's a really tough question. There's a lot uh, to unpack here. But if you you were David Griffin, guys, running the Pelicans – what would be your next move as we head into this very important summer? Probably Zion won't play this year. So, I think yeah. we can kind of rule that out with the foot injury. But what would you do going forward because we don't know really what he wants and
3: how the Pelicans are going to be able to handle this? I I think at this point, we've seen the Pelicans with Zion. They're great. They're or they're very good. We've seen the Pelicans without Zion. As the team they are now, they're fine. They they've had a couple they've had a few surprising wins this year. I mean, even last night they beat the Suns. Uh, a good Suns team without Chris Paul, I know, but still a good Suns team. They've had wins over the top teams in the NBA, and they've they've held these teams close, but they can't do it consistently. So, Zion coming being another piece, he could bring this team from what it is now to a possible playoff contender, uh, like a, a a six or seven seed. But if Zion does not want to be there, if what the reports are 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 saying is true. I don't think it's necessarily the worst idea to try and get rid of him while you still can, while you can still get value from him. Voice crack, sorry. While you can still get value from him and get a guy who's going to fill that role or two guys or a pick and be able to bring in a rookie. Yes, Zion is incredible, and he might end up being the new face of the NBA someday soon. But right now, you haven't been able to rely on him because of what he's doing right now and just not talking to the team and not talking to his teammates. And he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You can't ignore that. Zion missed most of his rookie season with an injury. He played parts of last season. Uh, I think he missed time due to injuries throughout the season. And now he's not even going to play at all this season, probably.
0: Yeah, last year he played around 70 of the so, or, uh, 60, 60 to 70, 60 games. Games. Even yeah, if 60 he, 70 games.
3: Even if he is the next big thing, do you have the time to wait? through his injury, right now, when you have Brandon Ingram, who's going to need a new contract soon, you have uh, C.J. McCollum, who I don't know what his contract's looking like, but I doubt he's going to want to stay in New Orleans much longer with the way that the team looks right now. You just lost Lonzo Ball, who I know we joke about it. Uh, I know I joke about lost. it being great, but yeah. that's a massive that, loss. That was yeah. a big was loss. No
1: he was a great fit for this team. Exactly.
3: So the Pelicans have a promising core right now that is going to leave as soon as possible they need to build what they can now and if zion isn't a part of that future zion isn't a part of that future you know so Aiden's on trade him jack what do you think
1: uh i have certain certain things i agree with certain things i disagree with in the beginning you talked about like they were a solid team when zion was playing uh, that's not really true well they didn't
3: they 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 didn't have the team last year that they do this year even without lonzo the team this year as it is now, is a little bit better.
0: Valanchunas is there.
1: Yes. Valentunis yeah. is there. They haven't had much success they're, in the past. They never were... Their His rookie year, they were good that whole year. That was mainly because of Ingram. That wasn't because Zion affected them. They had a chance to get into the play-in at that point. And last year, they were never near the playoffs. And... Zion has a lot of injury concern, as you said, but, and I'm not going to call him the next Greg Oden because we never saw what Greg Oden can do when healthy. When healthy, we've seen what Zion can do. Last season in 61 games, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists on 61% shooting. So absolutely, absolutely phenomenal when he's out there. But the fact is he can't stay out there. It seems like he's not committed. He's not willing to get in better shape, lose a little weight to take some of the pressure off his knees and his lower body. And until he's able to do that, you honestly—you can't trust him. And especially now, like, I think—I would actually consider trading him. When you have Ingram, when you have McCollum and Valentinus, you have three legit scorers. If you can get another solid player, this is a playoff-caliber team. Maybe, like, high-end of the play-in at least. Exactly. they can make some noise. And the main reason I say to trade him is just because this. It's better to trade somebody too early while their value is sky-high. Then it is, his his value he, right now is low. But he, he, if you, if somebody calls and says do you want Zion Williamson, you're going to get a very good package, you're rather getting, than you're, a you're year or two, two players, years, rather from a year or two now, where he'll be considered, he'll be a kind of like a Julius Randall. Kind how do of role, how do where and, he was when the Knicks signed him? How he's, do he's he's a good player, but he's not going to move the needle right now. He's considered a franchise altering player.
3: How do NBA rookie contracts work? I don't I do not know. So
0: here's how it's going to work with Zion. So I, I was yeah. actually going to ask ask you guys about this a little bit. So when you sign your first-round pick, it's a four-year deal, and after the third year, you can be extended. After the fourth year, you can go into your uh, restricted free agency, and that's pretty much how it goes. So that's how it is for first-round picks um, with the four-year contracts. Okay. With Zion— So similar similar to the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's okay. relatively similar. Roger, I, I think I'm missing there. there. Uh, what Zion can do this summer is he can go into David Griffin's office and say— I'm eligible. Extension eligible after my third season. Pay me the max, and that could be 175 million or whatever the number ends up being this year once they yeah. tabulate it. Is that something that you're willing to pay Zion Williamson after 85 games of basketball in three years? No. I don't know if that's the case. So, Dean, would you pay him 175 million dollars
2: for that? For that? For how much he's playing three years? Absolutely not. No, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I would. Um, I don't think I'd pay him that money. If anything, um, to answer the question earlier, since I know Aiden and Jack talked about this, I'm also on the trade uh train. Uh, you got it. Besides getting value while he's there, I mean, it just it just feels like I don't know. It just feels like to me personally, he just doesn't want to be there. Doesn't enjoy being there. Um, I mean, can you blame him with the way but, the I Pelicans mean, have been over the past I decade? Mean, like the, the way well, yeah. besides that, and the way like failing to bill around him, like when they made the McCullum trade. It was all to make Zion happy and try and build something around, build something more around him. But for the past couple of years, I feel like I don't know, like everyone's been like, "Hey, we got like you know Lonzo at one point, Zion Ingram. The next year, you got McCullum, Zion Ingram. It just feels like they had Drew Holiday too. It drew Holiday. It just feels yeah. like like all the hype and all that just kind of like died down. They haven't made the playoffs, so I mean, it, it's like building poorly around. Well, not, not even just building poorly around. Things are just not working out in New Orleans or panning yeah. out. So
3: I I I do just think I mean, going back to the A D trade even, like if AD, AD did the same thing that Zion's doing right now, basically. If A D had given the Pelicans one more season and given them a season to pair A D and Zion, imagine how good that team could have been. Yeah, but and the, I know they got I know they got a lot from that A D trade that built the team that is now around Zion. But imagine an AD and Zion do it. That would have been pretty scary. That would have be been a great team. Agree. It
0: would have been, but looking back on it, AD actually did the really smart thing. And going to the front office, this was what he, yes. he was respectful. He said, I am going to leave you in a year. Yes. Trade me now. And they did, and it yes. was smart that they did it because otherwise he would have left for nothing. Yes. That's, the, that's the risky run with Zion. What he could do is, is he could say, pay me this max extension or trade me. Or he could say or what you could or, or pay me this max extension or I'll take my qualifying offer which is what you can do after your fourth I didn't mention yeah. this before you could take that after uh your third season you could play out the qualifying offer and then it's about 18 million he get paid next year about 18 million he get paid next year about 18 million he get paid next year and then he's an unrestricted free agent yes. and could leave anywhere with the Pelicans not being able to match his rights yeah. so that's another option on the table it's a little bit uh quirky just because of the he hasn't really played enough games and he, the money's a little unsure there because of that with the injuries, but that's another possibility, and because he makes so much money off the floor, maybe he's the guy that takes a qualifying offer and just bolts after a year four. If he's
3: upset, yeah. we're, we're going to find out soon enough. The big question is really how good is Zion and how healthy is Zion? Because Zion, we've seen him healthy. We've seen him when he plays and he's very good. But, Dean, like you said, 85 games over three I mean, seasons?
2: I mean, I, I, I'm going to credit Jack for this saying availability is the best ability. Yeah, and it really Zion is. And Zion has lacked that. And when you have a guy like that on your team who has high potential, he had high potential coming out of college, coming out of high school. He was one of the top prospects. And, you know, to see him in this position, it, it's—
3: he very, much, he very much could be the next LeBron. He could be the next face of the NBA. He could be the next guy that gets put into the GOAT conversation if he plays to his potential and doesn't get hurt. But is he going to stay healthy? That's the question, and that's what the Pelicans have to decide.
2: Our thing is, and I forgot to mention this too, on the other day, on uh, this little thing on Instagram, there was a f- group of fans that um, messaged, included Zion in their group chat. Um, saw us on sideline sources, and Zion was like, I don't know what these people are saying. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in New Orleans. I mean, Which, that's, I, I that's mean, of I'm, course, I'm, what you're going to say not to the live. And it kind of feels fans. like feels like Kyrie 2.0 when you say, I'm just going to stay, and it just feels like he ends yeah. up leaving. I think mean, I yeah. like that's what's going to happen. I, I
3: don't think that means anything to me. But yeah. I, I think on
0: this one, you trust J.J. Redick, the respected veteran who played with him.
1: Yeah, yeah. and also oh, yeah. a little something to take note of is I remember this because obviously that night I was heartbroken. On draft lottery night when you're watching uh, Mark Tatum re- reveal the envelopes, when – when you saw that, like that was just them as an example, the Knicks when they got that number three envelope, they vi- visually showed Zion, and he was not happy. He, did, I, he he wanted
3: to go to New York. Yeah, he, he wanted to go. He to did New not York.
1: want to go to New Orleans. Uh, he was ne- he was never happy. Apparently, after the lottery was over, he walked out of the yeah. room and he was not happy. I mean he 's a good guy, obviously he wants to try and make it work, but I believe he 's a kind of player that wants to be in a bigger market and yeah. he 's always wanted to be in a bigger market obviously he 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 went to Duke I think obviously they 're a great team, but what 's one thing that is notable about duke they they 're in prime time they 're always on mm-hmm. national tv you 're always talking about duke you 're not really doing that with the New Orleans the Pelicans, Pelicans yeah. so I, I could see him wanting to go to a bigger market, and that is also going to play a huge factor besides injuries. Besides injuries and money. If he That's does, impossible. I want
3: Boston to come a-call. And we can talk about this later, maybe possible come trade destinations go. for him. but
1: Yeah, another, another, that would be a good thing. I would no,
3: love. Oh,
1: Aiden, God. Bro, we're putting the Duke team back together. We got Reddish and Barrett. All we need is Zion. We got, we're going to get Coach K we got in here, Tato. too. We got Tatum. We'll take him. <laughs> they didn't
0: play together, though. I know. But All right, uh, let's talk uh, about NBA duos because this is interesting. Yeah. So we were, we were thinking with the Embiid-Harden pairing starting off their tenure last night, and it obviously ended really well. Let's talk about our top five NBA duos of the modern day. So everybody has them ranked one to five, or, or five to one, and we'll start. So everybody can read them off, and we can debate
3: who has everybody where. So Aiden, I'll begin with you. You can read oh, off man. the duos. The guy who knows basketball the least. Please don't make fun of me. Uh, I do not know basketball as much as these other three guys. I'm starting with that warning. But uh, I got my number five, and you guys are probably going to disagree with me on this. It's Celtics bias, but Tatum and Brown. I think that's an incredible... I think that's an incredible duo, and when they're both on their game, they are two of the best players in the NBA. Uh, Jason Tatum is a superstar. Am I going all all five lines? Yeah, go go all five. Okay. Also, I'm just going to give an honorable mention. I think in in a few years, uh, Cat and Anthony Edwards, that's going to be one of them. They're not on my list, but I think that's one of them. I like that. Number four, Dean, I got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think they're both very, very, very good, but... What we've seen with of them together so far on the Clippers, similar to what we've seen of uh, Tatum and Brown on the Celtics, they haven't lived up to their potential yet. Three, Noah, LeBron, and AD, I think, fully healthy, both of them, they won a championship. They did, they did great, but again, there there are players that can be better than both of them on a on a daily basis. Two, we've only seen one game, but Harden and Embiid, I think that's going to be one of the scariest duos. You got one of the best big men. In the, if not the best big man in the NBA right now, and one of the best shooters in NBA history, that's just a deadly duo from the get go. And number one, we haven't seen him play together too much, but Durant and Irving, hmm. I think that's the best duo in the NBA still. When they play together, when that team played together, Durant Harden, Har- sorry, Durant Harden and Irving, they. We're what were, thirteen I think, and three, I think thirteen and three, yeah, thirteen and three. It was a great big three. Losing Harden really just loses another shooter, but you already have two shooters. You already have a good big man. You already have—they're both good at what Harden does. So it just loses a little bit of extra skill. I think that is the best duo in the NBA. But of course, we're not really going to get to see it in action because of Kyrie. Well, we'll see how the so, vaccine rules go. That's
0: yeah. certainly a, a topic of discussion. Uh, in New York City right now. So go ahead, Jack.
1: Yeah, right, I'll go from five to one. Uh, starting with number five, I'm going to go with Giannis and Chris Middleton. Uh, I have them five because with this duo, it's very obviously the number one is really the guy that leads it off. Many consider, many don't, some don't even consider Chris Middleton to be an All Star caliber player. I know you didn't think he deserved the All Star game. You argued that his other teammate Drew Holiday. Is very, very, like very back and forth who Giannis's true co star is between Middleton and Holiday. But Middleton is I'm gonna go with Middleton. He's been there for the whole journey. Uh he was big in the finals last year. He he really helped out, and this is a championship duo. I put them at five just because on the back end, Middleton, some Middleton's like a top twenty five, top thirty player at best. But still very solid duo. Number four, I'm gonna go with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh this is a duo they've had they've had their they certainly have had their ups and had their downs. And the bubble, obviously, they I'm sure Dean does not want to talk about it, but they did blow a 3-1 lead. Can we, go one week
2: without, <laughs> can, can we just go one week where my, I, you guys don't bring up a team of mine's heartbreaking moment? Like, we go from the Bills 13 seconds to this. Can we just not? Please, thank you.
0: No, it <laughs> will not happen. The man has spoke.
2: Anyway, back to what
1: I was saying. The teams had their ups and downs. The bubble obviously wasn't great, but last year they were very, very solid before Kawhi Leonard tore his ACL. This team looked like they had a real shot to go to the NBA Finals. So you have to wonder, and I think next year this deal could be at the top with what the Clippers are doing. They added Norman Powell. Most of their guys are locked up. They have a couple trade exceptions they can use. This team is going to be ready to play next year. So I have them at number four right now. Uh, Next up, number three, I'm going to go with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Just kind of like what Aiden said, they haven't played much, but when they played together, they're truly special. These are two guys that are capable of dropping thirty on any given night. And Kevin Durant, to to many, when healthy, is the best player on the planet right now. And Kyrie Irving, even though he's he's he, he's he's a he's a strange man, but when he's on the court, he is an absolutely phenomenal basketball player. And when he's been out there this year, he's really given the Nets a boost, but. They've had really nothing around him. When you have a bunch of older players like Blake Griffin and Lamar Aldridge. it's hard to win. But I think Katie and Kyrie are very special, and I think they have a great chemistry. They are really their best friends. So I like that. Uh, number two, they just played one game, Joel Embiid and James Harden. This one's pretty straightforward. I-, I think you guys would agree with me. I think this is pretty much the modern day Kobe and Jack. It has a chance to be. I agree. I completely if They can win a title together. This is the modern-day Kobe and Jack Well, Embiid is the most dominant big man in the modern NBA today. And James Harden is a version of Kobe Bryant that's a good three-point shooter and a slightly better playmaker. So I like them a lot. They have their potentials through the roof. And number one, when fully healthy, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. When these two guys are healthy and playing at their best, they are probably the number three and number six best players in the entire NBA They're special. They've won a championship. It's kind of strange that I have them won. It feels like we haven't seen them play in like two years. But when they're both healthy, they're sensational. So that's my top five. Dean, you're up. All right.
2: Quick, uh, mind if I do an honorable mention? Go ahead. Go for it. All right. So I put honorable mention on this. Honorable mention, it's not Tatum or Brown. I'm sorry, Aiden. Aiden. It's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. That's fair. I, I, I mean, uh, no, that's fair. I th- I think they're also one of the top duos the NBA went fully healthy. I know we're gonna get to the C- Chris Paul news later, but um, I, even despite my disinterest in the Suns, I do like love me some Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, number five, Giannis and Chris Middleton. As much as I love Giannis, as much as a great player he is, and you know Chris Middleton has also has had has had his clutch moments. Um. I wouldn't take him over the other guys that are above above in this list as in players. Number four, uh, I mean, I wish they were higher, but I agree with you guys, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, I mean, I, I I gotta see more like you guys said when they're fully healthy. I mean, you know, for the most part. I mean, granted, in the playoffs last year, they're you know like the Utah Jazz series and Dallas Mavericks. I thought they both coped well, especially in the Utah Jazz series down the line until. Joe Wingles decided to uh, bang some knees. Um, number three, but when when fully healthy, I think they're going to cope well together, and I do think the Clippers as a whole next year will be better. Number three, Harden and Embiid. Um, they only played one game. I'm not. Here's the thing with me, and if you guys don't like it, it's fine. I don't, I mean, even though I did put them at three, I usually don't like to rate or put someone too high if they play only one game if that makes sense, like you want to see the sample size like i'm not gonna yeah like i'm not gonna like let's say like it was only one game, but like Paul and Booker, their first game like i 'm not going to say they 're number one right away i can 't put someone at number two after just one game, but I do believe would... but but I do believe that this has the potential to be Kobe and Shaq, and they I think they make a perfect duo number two is uh Katie and Kyrie Irving uh, when both are fully healthy when both play. I mean, Kyrie may play soon because of the uh, vaccine stuff going on in New York, but um, when fully healthy, this is a very talented duo. These two, I mean, these are two superstars, uh, two established stars in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Katie, who's definitely one of the greatest scorers ever, and Kyrie Irving who's just a magician with the ball. And number one, when ankles and groins are not a problem, the Los Angeles Lakers... And, 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 And right now, foot. And foot uh, number one, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. One fully healthy. This is the top duo, uh, they, and they won a championship before it too. But I mean, this is the, the, that duo was just really good, and they just play really well together.
0: All right, mine's a little different than yours. I have some a different ordering, and actually, yeah. a new pair that nobody's mentioned yet. We've all had yeah, one we've pair. All, we've all had one pair that yeah, we said yeah. is different. So I have Paul and Booker at five. Okay. Uh all they've done since they come together is win. So I think Bax. if that's the case, you deserve to be in the top five. I love those two together. And because they're so good shooting the mid range, it makes them so much more difficult to guard because they can get all the way to the rim, they can shoot the three, and they're so great from you know free throw line area, so they're and they're a great clutch team as well, best in the league. Number four, nobody's mentioned them, Stefan Clay.
3: See nobody thought to talk about Stephen Clay and I, I, I considered it. And my thought process behind not doing it is we haven't seen from Clay yet this season that Fair. he's going to live back up to his pre-injury yeah, uh, exactly. status. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that level.
1: He, he showed flashes, but he hasn't been there consistently. Yeah.
3: He hasn't
0: been there consistently. But I feel like if you can two, get two back years to ago close to prime Clay,
3: you, two, you two years ago Clay, th- that's that's number one. I mean, Stephen Clay two years ago, but
1: and th- no matter what happens, they are the best backcourt in NBA history. That's- true.
0: So I think they've won three titles together. I, I can't leave them out. I understand that. <laughs> number yeah. three, Giannis and Middleton. Uh, I love this duo because Giannis is so dominant for the first, like, 46 minutes of the game, but Middleton just takes over when it really matters in the final two minutes when you can put the ball in his hands and he can uh, play, make, and score for himself. I, I love him uh, in the clutch. That's why they call him cash money with a K. Number two, I also have Harden and Embiid. There's a question that they could be number one at some point uh, down the road. And then number one, of course, LeBron Shocker. and AD.
3: No 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 Clippers on there.
0: No, I didn't ha- I didn't have the didn't Clippers. Have Clippers. or the Nets. I didn't have the Clippers or the Nets. I definitely consider them both. They were my next two. I just I couldn't put Irving and Durant in because over Paul and Booker because of the fact they haven't won anything together and they barely played. Understandable. Play. And I couldn't put the Clippers in because we haven't seen it in basically a year. a year and when they did play together, very similar and you mentioned it in before to Tatum and Brown. It's just it's not an ideal fit. They're two immensely talented players who but don't, they do the same they're not, thing. They're not perfect together. They're yeah. not perfect together. They they do the same things mostly and they don't have that playmaking guard to set yeah, them they've up. They've
1: needed that for three years. And
0: they've needed it, right? And they don't have it still even now. Um, so, I just, it's hard for me to really believe in them 100% when the, it's hard for them to get into their offense. Things get clunky yeah,
1: when they, the two they, of them
0: they are out there sometimes. So, I don't shots. always believe in it.
1: Once they get that, though, I think they're going to be really smooth. That that has to be the number one priority for them this offseason. Yeah, get
0: that player, and I'll have them over Paul and Booker. That's but great. as
1: right now, I, I just I can't because it. of that point guard thing.
0: So those are my top five. Are we leaving out anybody? Is there anybody you want to immensely debate, talk about, say, I, too high, I too low?
3: I don't think there's anybody that anybody put in that is wrong. I think, I think George and Leonard are definitely
1: in a top five. Uh, I have one. But, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, maybe just because they played so well this year. Uh, well, two, actually, possibly. Levine and DeRozan or, no. uh, or Jimmy and Bam.
3: I was going to say Jimmy and Bam was another one I considered putting in, but I couldn't take any of those top five out.
0: Yeah, and, no, and nobody mentioned Gobert and Mitchell. Interesting, uh, Jokic and Murray when they're healthy is sensational together. Those Lonzo two. and Lonzo. No, not going to do it. We're <laughs> not
1: going to do it. Lamelo <laughs> and Miles Bridges, Luca and
0: any of his teammates. So <laughs> there are a lot of other great duos in the league, and that I think that's what's really great about the NBA right now. A lot of parity, a lot of parity, and so many teams where it's not a big three where it's like you have so much overwhelming talent, word. but big twos. Those are the best. Yeah, dynamic duos two. are so much better. Yeah, I it agree. makes it so
1: much more fun. Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree. So. Love the duos in the NBA right now, and uh, we could see maybe this Harden and Beat thing works out. And is no super teams. Soon. Yeah, no, no super teams right now. It really doesn't exist. The only one that should be is the Lakers, but...
3: All right, th- we, we, sh- we should move on. We should move on. Let's go to the Chris Paulinger Yeah, a so let's bit. talk
0: cu- quickly about the Chris Paul injury, just a minute or two here. So he's going to be out six to eight weeks, fractured his thumb. Not much else you can say except for the fact that uh, the Suns are desperately going to miss him, and hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed, he's back by the playoffs. So... I don't know if you guys yeah. want to add anything to that. I but.
3: mean, we saw it last night. They lost mm-hmm. to the freaking Pelicans. Um, obviously, that was just a tough game, and the Pelicans did play a really good game. Um, that can't fly if they want to stay. They're the one seed in the West right now, right? By like seven games. Yeah, so. that can't fly if they want to stay the one seed. So yeah, they're gonna. They're probably they gonna lost. lose the one seed. They, they're. I think they're gonna drop a little bit, but they're not. If if Paul is back for the playoffs, like maybe it benefits maybe it benefits them a little bit to not be the number one seed people are going to underestimate him going into the playoffs i think they're going to hold on to the one seed personally but we'll see
1: yeah i think they're going to hold on to the one seed but this whole this whole situation with chris paul being out the, there's a light shined on one guy and that guy is devin booker and i said this to you and dean when we were talking yesterday uh when it comes to devin booker this is really going to say like is he a guy that truly can carry a team. Is he possibly, is Chris Paul the best player on this team? Is it Devin Booker? What's the reason for their success? When you look at the Suns in the past, with the exception of one run in the bubble, this team has pretty much been a automatic lottery team with Devin Booker. I understand they didn't have as much talent as as they do now on this team, but what I've said is true. They've always been near the bottom of the league with when Devin Booker was the true number one man on this team, he, exactly. has, he has a true chance to show how talented he is over these next twenty games, and if he can keep the Suns in first place, I think there's a chance he could be All NBA. Yeah, uh, there's no question. He, he's dynamic. Uh, Dean, you got anything, or do you want to go on?
2: I don't know. Say I agree. I mean, a, it is a huge loss for Suns, but now the, sun, the stars shine on Devin Booker. I do think they're going to lose more games than they win without Chris Paul. However. I still think they're going to stay at one. At the worst, they're going to be number two. I mean, yeah. they're so far they don't, ahead. They don't drop too far, but I, I think they're they not going to drop too far. And
0: I think, I think regardless, the minute that uh, Paul comes back, they immediately retake their throne as NBA heavy title favorites right yeah, now. Let's just be real here. The West is a two-team race right now. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the baseball lockout. We'll move off basketball here. And we have only two more days, guys, until the regular season has uh, that, that uh, deadline of where it's going to be delayed. Major League Baseball said that if it's not done by Monday and they don't have an agreement uh, worked out, Opening Day will not take place as scheduled, which is just a disaster. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, this week of every day meetings in Florida has really gone next to nowhere. They have figured out very little, and there's so much that is yet to be solved. I said I was the only of the four actually last week that said that I thought a deal was going to get done uh, by the deadline. How are you We're not about close. That now, yeah. And uh, I thought about it this week. I guess with Rob Manfred, you can. Never really be optimistic because that always is just the wrong attitude to have. But yeah. I tried. Yes.
3: Um, I, so I, what are we thinking right now with two days to go? I have nothing to add from what I said last week. The owners are being greedy. The players are asking for what they probably deserve, especially what they deserve after what the owners did to them in the pandemic-shortened season. So, yeah, that's it. Owners, come on. Get a grip here. You guys are the bad guys. The fans know this. That's all. Jack
1: uh yeah for the most part i'm gonna have to agree with Aiden. This is just uh billionaires that are that want to keep too much money and they're gonna sit they're gonna sit down they'll they'll rest on their laurels because most of them have other businesses they're gonna keep bringing in money for the most part, most of them, and the place where they lose the most money is by paying the players so this really doesn't hurt them. It only hurts the players and they're willing to lose more. They're willing to lose this season in order to win in the long run. So until that aspect of, until that mindset changes, this is a, a deal is going to take a long time.
2: Fair. I mean, I, I said this last show and I'll say it again. I mean, the owners agree. the, the owners really don't care about the players. They don't do what's best in the interest of the game. And it's not just that. It's also Rob Manfred in the way I feel like this whole thing has been orchestrated, the way this whole thing has just gone about, gone afloat. Um, It just feels like everything all around is a mess for the MLB. And, listen, we got two days left. Like I said, clock's ticking. Get to that negotiation. Clock is ticking because uh, I think we're – I mean, I'm not trying to – like I said, I'm not trying to be that guy, even though less Oriole losses are fine with me. But um, I – we're headed towards a delayed season. I I just – I'm not – and I'm not – and I know you guys want to stay optimistic, especially – you know, granted, the commissioner – gives you false hope, and not the best sense of hope, but um, it, it just, I don't know, the way things have just been going, the way we're heading, it just feels like baseball's heading for a delayed season. Yeah, just to yeah. add some
0: context to what you guys have talked about, um, they did work out a couple different issues this week, uh, they raised the mayor, uh, minimum player salary by a little bit, so there's been some things, they obviously decided already on the DH is going to happen, so there's been some agreement, but to me it's almost like... They're beating around the bush here where the small stuff has been worked out and the big stuff is just being left on the table where they're not talking about it. And when they are talking about it, it leads to nothing. Um, And I think the biggest example of that is the competitive balance tax uh, with the luxury tax and teams refusing to spend – a lot of the teams refusing to spend over that or in a lot of cases even close to the luxury tax line. Like right now, the Mets are going to have a $300 million payroll, just I know this. The Pirates right now spend about forty-five million dollars on their roster. Yeah, <laughs> three hundred to forty-five. It's, a, it's seriously, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, it's
1: such a joke.
0: It's such so, a joke. It really does make a real problem when you have the players, and really, I, I actually think some of this does fall on the players in some instances. Like for example, they want the tax penalties to be a certain way, where you get rid of the draft pick compensation that is involved with that, and some of the other rules that they want removed. But the other thing they don't want is a is a uh, a salary floor which they have in other sports like in basketball we have that. And basically what they want is for owners to be able to spend whatever amount of money they want to. Like some owners do, very few, and yet not spend to a certain minimum line because then what they'll do is they'll just spend to that minimum line and not go over it and there's no penalty against them. So they basically want no salary cap and no salary maximum where I think the other sports thrive best because there is a th- salary minimum and a salary I maximum. Agree, yeah. Um but the players don't want that because at the end of the day, you know the Max Scherzers and Francisco Lindor's yeah, Derek Cole's
3: want their four hundred million dollar yeah, contracts. Four hundred million
1: dollars. Once right. the,
3: the problem is, once the door has been opened, the door's not shutting. Now that players have gotten those four hundred million dollar contracts, those massive contracts, that door isn't going to close again to a point where people are okay with accepting smaller deals. Right. You know, now it's it's that's I think that's become the issue because, like. One guy, because if 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 Harper gets this, what was Harper's deal? 10 years? 10
0: years 330, I want to say. Trout if Harper, the biggest for,
3: Trout does, what? but like if Harper can get 10 years 330, then why does Trout not deserve that? Yeah, why does Lindor not deserve that? Why does uh, Acuna not deserve that? Why does Soto not deserve that? And you go down the list, and eventually you get to players who probably don't deserve it, but then they're going to get a higher one, and then why do the players better than them not deserve it? On it's kind of like in on.
0: football where you want to be the highest paid yeah. blank. You know it's, what I
3: mean? It's about respect. Money is respect in sports. The yep. higher you're paid, the more respected you are by the league. That's yep. what it comes off as. So when you don't have a salary floor and you don't have some
0: sort of salary cap system in place, it just becomes very hard because the owners have no onus to spend. And if you want to win a championship, you have the onus to spend whatever you want. So it really depends on the type of market you are and the type of team that you have. It depends on whether – You're going to invest the money in your club or not, and I think that's been a real issue. So uh, we'll see how it goes in the next couple of days, but very well we could be sitting here next Saturday talking about a delayed season and wondering when opening day could happen in April, May, June, and down the line. Uh, Let's move on to football. This is an interesting topic. We've never really talked about this type of uh, issue before. Oh, boy. But it's the NFL media. NFL football announcers are coming from different (laughs) places more so than ever
2: before. Trade season.
0: Uh, It's essentially the NFL offseason season. Has already started when it comes to the media, but the actual players can't be signed anywhere yet. So it's very interesting. So, from what we've already found out, according to ESP, uh, ESPN's, um, the New York Post, I should say, he's an, Andrew Marsh and a writer there. He actually went to Ithaca. Uh, said that Troy Aikman is going to sign a massive contract to come to ESPN
3: and do Monday Night Football, leaving Fox after please, 20 years. Please, for the love of God, get Troy Aikman. I know he would, I don't like Troy Aikman at all okay. as, a, as a commentator. Every time the Saints play, I have to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Every time. I don't want to have to do that anymore. Well, you're not a Put him on Monday fan, night so football. Put him on lucky. Monday night football. Get so, him out of my living room. He's
0: gonna go to ESPN and ABC to do Monday nights. There's a lot of rumors about what Al Michael's future is. It looks like he's probably leaving from NBC on Sunday nights to go to Amazon. That's a, a, a wide reported thing I Wow. And he'll he'll do Thursday nights if that's the case. We'll see who his, his color partner is. We're gonna find out about Sean McVay. It looks like he's not gonna take a fifteen million dollar year TV job or a twenty million dollar year TV job. That looks like it won't happen. We know the networks have actively been recruiting Sean Payton, your former coach in yep. New Orleans, And uh, Andrew Brees. and Drew Brees. Right? We know that NBC already has him. They might elevate him at some point. And Tom Brady's the newest name. So there's so much going on with the way that football is being called these days, where guys are moving from different network to different network, and it's actually become really fascinating. Like I actually yeah. follow this pretty closely now. So, let me ask you guys this. If you could build your dream pairing at every network, give me who it would be. Uh,
1: I'll start. This would be the, fun. I'll start for this one. Uh, cuz he's already at ESPN. I'd like to see Troy uh, Al Michaels and Troy Aikman. I think that'd be a, I
0: think that would be I think it. that'd be
1: a really cool one.
0: Yeah, ESPN's also in the market for yeah. for Al. I didn't mention that. I think
1: I think Al Michaels is the best play-by-play guy and I think uh, I think Aikman is top him or Collinsworth at least right now is the best color guy. So, I really, I really think that would be a nice one. Uh, I think that would be a good one. Uh, I would say another one. I'd like to see. I mean, if Drew Brees, if he, if Collins were still on Stay at NBC and Drew Brees wants to get into the booth, well, I mean, he's not moving from NBC, but I think it'd be cool to see him and Joe Buck. I think that could be an interesting one. I know it's not an option right now, yeah. but and it, and a NBC. Well, it, it looks
3: is, like Mike Tirico is going to
0: get that Sunday Night Job.
1: I, I wouldn't say
3: get. I wouldn't say it's out of the ordinary. Well, he's If you up, do right? a sort of, if you do a sort of swap for Aikman and do a sort of swap with Aikman and breathe and have Aikman go on to go to NBC? It's possible. I was actually reading this on ESPN the other day.
0: Back in, I think, 2005 or six, when they were first starting Sunday Night Football out, Al Michaels was at ABC doing Monday nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that time, NBC really wanted him. So what actually happened was the executives at both networks were calling each other, and Al actually ended up getting traded to NBC in exchange for ESPN or for for ABC and, and Disney to have the rights to a cartoon character that they had lost the rights to NBC like years prior. <laughs> that's
1: pretty. So we funny. actually got
0: traded for like a cartoon cat or something, that's and that's actually how that ended up working out. So it could happen where guys end up getting dealt across networks.
1: Yeah, but it's gonna be so weird. Like we were talking about this yesterday, like with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It's like some people hate him. they can't stand him. But you know like when they're me. when they're on, it's a big game. It feels like it feels like a big game. And it's the same goes for Al Michaels on Sunday night. Sunday night is the biggest game of the, of the week all the time. And I don't know; it's just gonna feel so weird with with uh, with with Mike Tirico doing it now. And I I I, got, I like Mike Tirico. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal when he was on Monday Night Football with John Gruden. I thought they were great. I was I was I was annoyed when. Gruden was coming back to coaching because that was a great pairing, but it is what it is. I, I'll say my number one dream choice was is Michaels and Aikman. Aiden, hey, what's your dream Monday Night Football booth? Monday Night Football. I mean, honestly, I'd
3: like. To, I I would want to see Al Davis and um, Al, what um you mean? sorry Al Michaels sorry yes uh, Al right. Michaels and Tony Romo. I think that'd be awesome. I love Tony Romo as a color commentator. I know he's been very divisive. And I know that's that's not going to happen, but that's that'd be a dream of mine. That that sounds pretty awesome,
0: Dean. I, I build your dream booth. Whether it's Sunday nights, Monday nights, you tell me what you want. Uh, oh
2: man, I I do love you know what I, God, I'm trying to think. I'm sorry. All right, color is definitely Troy. Uh, Troy. I mean, Tony Romo. I do love Tony Romo as a color commenter. I think he's great and. The game that really made him grow was the Patriots Chiefs game when he just predicted every play in the AFC Championship. Um, I'd say definitely Tony Romo, play by play. I mean, I'd either do Al Michaels or a little out of the pocket because I do love him as a football guy. I love Kenny Albert. I am a, big, oh, that's a good I one. am a big Kenny Albert guy, so I would love to have Kenny Albert in the booth. And then do we just commentators and analysts or just yeah, like, yeah, like who who would be your sideline reporter? Uh, Peyton Manning.
0: Hmm, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> I'm half kidding, get, but like that you gotta would go with Booker McFarland.
2: Hey, no. honestly, he's they, gotta go back bring, on the ride. Bring back the Booker-mobile. No, oh no, yes. never. That as a matter happen. of fact, Booker McFarlane as my sideline guy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Kidding.
0: I actually kind of have to say I love the booths the way they are now. I'm actually kind of upset that they're gonna be changing so much. Like changing. I don't know how this Amazon thing is gonna work out. I'm very actually confused by. Uh, how that will happen, whether it's on Amazon yeah. Prime or what Amazon might actually make a cable channel, I've heard, so maybe that's a possibility. Um, but I'm a little upset that it's going to Amazon for Thursday nights, and I'm just really upset that Al Michaels is going to be leaving NBC. I think he's so good it's on Sunday nights. So him and him. Chris are terrific together. Uh, so,
1: I'm, I'm a little set. Next year is going to be very different together. watching characters. And, and, and Michelle, uh, Michelle Tafoya is not going to be on NBC. Yeah. So, I'll say that for ESPN. Michaels, Aikman, and Michelle. Michelle's the best. Okay.
0: Okay. It's actually yep. become very, uh, like, a niche market for journalists to write about and to talk about on podcasts and stuff. Podcasts uh, and stuff. Podcasts uh, and stuff. For to cover sports media like Andrew Marchand like I said at, at mm-hmm. New York Times mm-hmm. his entire job is to cover sports media as he works in sports media yeah so this whole thing has become a huge deal um let me ask you guys this how would let me ask you two guys Brady and McVeigh? how would they do as color as color commentators
3: I I mean we've seen we've seen kind of both ways we've seen players former players be really good as color guys I think Romo works so well as a color guy because not only does he know the game, he knows what things look like, he knows how to read defenses and offenses for that matter, but he's also very personable. He's very likable. He's got a great personality. Tom Brady has one for the media. I don't think he'd be very fun on TV. I don't think he'd have fun, at least not yet. Give him five years. Give him a few years before he starts to actually do anything. I I see Tom Brady better as doing something more similar to the Manning cast. Uh, oh, I could see that. Where he's just kind of he's just kind of live streaming the games and having fun talking over it. At least for now, Sean McVay I think would be an amazing commentator. But that a uh, 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 play by play, uh, sorry, color commentator. But that would be such a waste of his talents.
1: Yeah, I, he's I mean, a coach,
3: I would rather watch Sean McVay as an analyst than a color commentator because I would rather watch Sean McVay tell me before game and after the game what's going on on the field and what to expect, and what breaking down what all these different things meant, I would rather see that than have him during the game. Because I think he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it's pretty, but I think he'd be a good color commentator. That's pretty interesting.
1: Shit. I'd rather just see Sean McVay coach for another that too. 12 years and win another three Super Bowls. <laughs> I, I think that would be my number one choice for him. But anyway, uh, I think I don't think Tom Brady—I Like I kind of agree with what you said. I don't think Tom Brady—he uh, has a great understanding of the game, but he's not going to do it where— I don't consider him to be an entertainer like Peyton Manning. He, I, I thought he would be great as a color guy because he's an entertainer. He makes people he makes people laugh. He's funny. Like Brady, he's just gonna talk football. I feel like he'll just give an analysis and like stop talking. I feel like he's not gonna make it. He's, he's not gonna make it pop. I would say That's, uh, So I would say that. Another guy I think they should look into is Brett Favre. I think Brett Favre would actually be a really good analyst. He'd be be a different style, though. Exactly. I think some people would really not like it, but some people would really love him, especially in the South, like where he's from and everything. Yeah, exactly. I hear him on SiriusXM. He's very entertaining. And also another quarterback, if we're keeping with it. I mean, he works for NFL Network. He's done a lot, but I think Kurt Warner would also be good. Hmm. Dean? What do you think about Sean Payton? I'll actually ask you that one. I'll
2: say I'll say I I'm I'm not for Brady in the booth, but I, I do think Sean McVay would be a very good I'd say a better analyst, but I do think he'd be decent as a color commentator. You said Sean Payton? Yeah, what do you think?
0: Because he's he's been heavily recruited. I think he's actually gonna get one of these jobs.
2: I I do like see He'll be fine. I think he's kind of
0: boring to listen he's, to. He's a little I think, boring. I'll He'll be say, fine. I
2: don't know about I I I don't think I'd put him at color commentator, but if anything, maybe analyst. Because I think as an analyst he'd probably be more entertaining than as a color commentator, yeah, I, I
3: kind of like what Breeze has been doing now.
2: Yeah, I think he'd be more. I think that's have him talk Sean about the Payton. game yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I just
0: I feel like when I listen to Sean Payton, I, I'm it's also, never that funny or personable yeah, or anything. Like I'm,
3: I'm kind of over this whole like just getting former players and coaches to be the color guys on every single station. I love it. I love it with Romo. I love that he knows what's going on. But you don't need to do that with every guy. I mean, you, here at here at Ithaca, there are a ton of kids who are training, who are studying, who are working to try and become those guys. And it's taking jobs away for people who have really worked their whole life to get that. And you're just giving it to a guy who plays football.
0: Fair. I think someone like Mina Kimes is a great example yeah. where she came up and has turned into a top-notch analyst yeah. even though she's never played a day of football in her life, which exactly. I think is really cool. Yeah,
3: and, 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 and most people here, most people who, who study broadcasting don't play football. They don't play the sport that they're looking to go into. I don't think you need to be a player to be a good commentator, and I think we've seen too much of that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, like, we're all better than Jason Witten, but he got to go. Into exactly. The- true. <laughs> exactly. That is
0: true.
3: All right, Aiden, I know
0: you wanted to talk about this. A couple minutes Real here. Quick, we're yeah. going to talk about Ithaca, uh, women's and men's basketball. Uh, both teams have playoff games today in the Liberty League. Ithaca's going to be playing later against yeah. Union uh, here at Ben Light, and then the men will also be on the road uh, later today for their
3: semifinal game. So,
0: if you want to break it down for us for just a couple minutes yeah. here, and we can we can talk I'll, about it,
3: I'll give a quick breakdown. Let's I mean, go We'll start with the women because they play first. Two uh, o'clock today, and that's going to be a home game, and it will actually be broadcast over on WICB and on ICTV. So tune in if you want to. I'll be
1: on the pregame show. I'll, I'll be on the halftime for the and radio. I'll
3: be writing the game story for the Ithaca. So uh, um, look at us, all <laughs> involved. Exactly. Yes, we're getting involved. So that's in that going to be pride. that's going to be a really good game. I mean, the women are coming off of 17 straight wins. They haven't lost since December. They've only lost one conference game all season. And it was also in December, it was to Vassar, who they beat uh, the other day, last week, last Saturday, to get this number one seed. They're going to host the number two, the, sorry, they're going to host the number four seed Union. <clears throat> sorry. Um, they're going to host the number four seed Union today at 2 o'clock. Um, Union, I believe they beat both times in the regular season. They did. Um, so, you guys got picks, predictions for this game? I'm going. I'm going Ithaca all the way. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you looked into it, so what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with Ithaca. Ithaca. The, I was talking to Coach Raymond earlier this week. Uh, he says this team because the one thing they do well more than anybody is they play defense. Yeah, they're the highest scoring team out of any team, but they're also to give up the fewest amount of points. They only give up about fifty one points a game, so they outscore their opponents pretty much by twenty points. On average, they average sixty. I think sixty-nine points to f- and only give up fifty-one. So it's all about defense for them, yep. and it's about getting inside and getting lo- good looks. They're not the best three-point shooting team, but they do a great job from the mid-range and they do a great job on the glass.
3: Bombers beat Union fifty-four forty-seven and sixty-six fifty-six this season.
1: Yeah, and and by the way, Bombers. our women's the Bombers women's, Bombers
0: team, women's is team is so amazing. good. They're, they're really just good. terrific. They're, they're Grace really Cannon is great. a superstar. They're Grace a veteran, Cannon is incredible. This is a
1: veteran team. They have three grad students and six seniors. They're, so. Lots of experience, yeah. And
3: then over, or do you have a?
2: They also have one of the deepest teams. As they well, have so a please. very deep team. I, mean, I talked about this with Coach Raymond I mean, the other day, and he was like, "This is one of the deepest teams yeah. I've coached."
3: Not only, I mean, they have they have three grad students. They have, I think, five seniors outside of that. Five or six, yeah. And then, in addition to that, you have some really good juniors and sophomores. I I don't know too many freshmen on the team, but it's it's such a it's such a good team. Uh, we'll go over to the men's quick. They play at 4.30, and they're actually going to play in Troy against RPI. The way the Liberty League championships work is the number one seed hosts uh, all three, the yeah, they're semifinals. Playing, they're playing Vassar today. Yeah, but in RPI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they play the, the number one seed hosts the semifinals and the finals. Yep. So Ithaca versus Vassar, once again, a rematch of last week with Ithaca, which Ithaca ended up taking 72 to 59. Uh Sorry, is that the, is that the men? They beat, they beat Vassar just last week. Yeah, so, sorry. Yeah. 72-59. Big win. Uh, easy win for the men, but uh, what do you guys got for this game? Yeah,
0: so I'm going to say Ithaca wins again here. Uh, I don't, don't want to be the homer or anything, but I just do think they're the better team. And we saw that match up uh, here just last Saturday. Uh, Zach Johnson for Vassar is a dynamic big man, but unfortunately <laughs> he has shoot. zero ability to shoot free throws Hack well. Shots Hack 38% Zach. for the season coming into that game last week, and I think he was 4 of 12, I want to say. 5 of 15. Five, but yeah, it was not a good number. Not good. So they continually
3: fouled him, and he continually just bricked free throws. Yeah. And, um, and in a game that ended, that ended being decided by 13 points, I mean, 6 or 7 more free throws, could have really tightened that game yeah. up.
0: Yeah, and, and Ithaca, I think they just shoot the three so well. Yeah. Uh, good defensive team and, and the number one scoring team in the league as well. So uh, I'm going to go with Ithaca today. Um the, the two seeds, so they yeah. should
1: be the favorite, and uh, we'll see if they can pull it out. Do you guys know why Ithaca has been so successful? Because they, they also have Luka magic. They do they have Luka do. magic. Luka, Luka Radovich, baby. Yeah. All right.
3: Well... M- <laughs> good good luck to the bombers today and tomorrow if they make it there. I'm going women. I think women win the Liberty League. I think men get second. I think they lose to RPI tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to I say agree. the same I as you. Uh, RPI I beat agree. us twice, so we'll see. B- but b- bombers by a million. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, yeah.
0: uh, winners and losers, everybody. Go quickly. We got to just losers. three or four minutes here. Losers.
3: I got the Pacers. Dean and I were talking about this in the car. Losing to the Thunder in overtime. Lance Stevenson couldn't hit a shot. And as we were saying, as Dean Dean helped me come up with this one. You got you, you got Buddy Healed and uh Halliburton over there, right? Yep. You can take you can take the Kings out of Sacramento, but you can't take the Sacramento out of the Kings. <laughs> That's what we got. <laughs> That's
1: funny. Uh, uh my my loser has gotta be RJ Barrett. Absolutely phenomenal night last night, forty six points, new career high, and he just has no help out there. Julius Randle was like two of fifteen. And I just he, he needs a new coach and he needs more help.
2: My winner is the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, that's good to know. I mean, I I, I couldn't think of anything else. But, you you um, and the refs, both the winners last night. I mean, first, you know it's funny? You're always making excuses every time they lose. You know, like last time when they lost the second game, you're like, oh, they missed a lucky shot. You know, that's true and all, but you still have A.D., LeBron, Westbrook, and they, the Clippers have little talent because of the injury right now. How can you— I, come Lakers on. had their chances, but the refs but also gave st- extra But you should chances. still be able to beat these guys, and you're supposed to be a super team. And great teams always overcome those odds. But whatever, the Clippers have been playing great basketball even before the All Star break. Tell super team to Trevor Ariza. That's all I'll say. Yeah, your big three, or what? The, you were the favorites before the year to at least Trevor come out Ariza of the West. and Wayne Ellington and Westbrook, Stanley Mellon. Johnson, come and on. all these great players we that, that run out there for the Lakers every night. <laughs> I mean. It was like ever since you said Stanley Johnson. I feel like ever since he got that two-year contract, he hasn't played as well. Maybe it's just me, but like I mean, no, you could speak on it if you want. He's been all right, but I mean, it's pretty hard to win a game when Dwight Howard was your best player in his Boy 18th Howard. NBA season. Last Bro, night. but
1: it's a Hall of Fame team. Shut up. It's a Hall it's of a fame. fame team. Stop it, Carmelo, Dwight, <laughs> stop it, LeBron, Davis, Westbrook. Yeah, Jack,
0: who's your winner or loser?
1: Here he me, went. You oh, sorry.
0: All right, I'm up. Uh, I'm going to say it's the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff. Winner or loser? No. For a winner. Nagy. I agree. I agree. They got Eric Enemy to come back as offensive coordinator, and yesterday they got uh, Matt Nagy, the, uh, who's used to be there, uh, to come back, the former he- Bear, uh, head coach of the Bears, to come back to be the uh, QB coach and a senior offensive assistant. Patrick Mahomes just got a lot more dangerous in terms of the guys calling the plays for yeah. him, so I love this for Kansas City.
1: After developing Mitch Trubisky to such... Elite status. He's back to one coach of the her. year.
0: Made the playoffs twice, and now he's, on the he's a good NFL coach. Now <laughs> he's on uh, the team okay. to get his ring. Like chasing. It, it almost is ring chasing, but he's trying to rebuild his value to get another yeah. job. All right, did everybody go? I think we did. Yeah. So that's gonna wrap it up here uh, for this edition of Agree to Disagree. Much more sports talk coming up next, uh, and we will see you guys all next Saturday. So have yep. a good one, and uh, we'll see how the bombers do later today in the semifinals. Heck yeah, go bombers!